The Hell on Wheels Garage Build Podcast is recorded live in the Law Friend Studios. The law offices of Fran Hosh, Palm Harbor, Florida, personal injury attorneys. Call 1-866-LAW-FRAN. That's 1-866-LAW-FRAN. Serving the Tampa Bay biker community for over 20 years. You're a craftsman, so you spend a little bit extra for tools made in the USA and guaranteed for life. Why should your workwear be any different? Let's face it, you work in some tough situations. You need tough workwear that works with you, not against you. 1620 Workwear builds the toughest, most comfortable workwear right here in the USA. The science is in the fabric, from fit and finish to comfort. 1620 Workwear has a fit for almost any environment, no matter your trade. 1620 Workwear is ready to go to work right away and needs no break-in period. It's also guaranteed for life. Visit www.1620usa.com or follow on Instagram at 1620USA. 1620 Workwear, American-made and guaranteed for life. Hello, Garage Build Podcast listeners. I'd like to talk to you today about a product that I use every single day and I'm proud to be associated with. It's a company called Fix Your Lid and they make grooming products that are available at all Target stores or online at Target.com. Here's what you need to know about Fix Your Lid. Their most important claim is that they source every one of their raw materials in the United States down to the boxes they arrive in. Basically, if it's made in another country, they will refuse it, even if that means spending significantly more money to do so. I use their shampoo and their pomade, but they also make conditioners and hair gels, and most of their products are available in trial sizes or travel sizes, whichever you choose, and they're not going to break the bank. Again, these are made in the United States of America all the way down to the raw materials and even the raw materials to make their packaging. So go to Target.com or follow Fix Your Lid on Instagram at Fix Your Lid and get yourself some high-quality grooming products made in the good old U.S. of A. today. Badlands Lighting Modules has brought American-made products and values to your garage for over 30 years with the best products and best warranty available in the industry. And since 1999, NAMS Custom Cycle Products has created American-made wiring solutions for builders and bikers alike. Today, Electric Lighting Company Products offers the best in aftermarket lighting for your Harley-Davidson Indian or custom-built motorcycle, period. Visit your local electric lighting dealer or electriclighting.com. That's electric, L-E-T-R-I-C, lighting.com. Over the last five decades, the Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company has developed and manufactured some of the most innovative parts and mind-bending custom motorcycles in the industry. Today, three generations and over 50 years later, those traditions stand tall. From the new 10-gauge engine cover series to their classic line of big sucker performance air cleaners, Arlen Ness delivers functional performance for your Harley-Davidson or Indian V-Twin. Go to ArlenNess.com and use discount code GARAGEBUILT10 to save 10% and get free shipping in the continental U.S. on orders over $100. Hello and welcome back to the Hell on Wheels Garage Built Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jason Hallman. This is episode 43 with Rich Ruck from Idle Ride Choppers in the Tampa Bay area. I found Rich's work on Instagram and reached out to him, and he is going to be one of our invited builders for the Central Florida Wheels of Steel Custom Indoor Motorcycle Show 
presented by Geico this December 5th and 6th at the RP Funding Center in downtown Lakeland. I hope you can attend. Tickets are $10 per day, and you can find them at cfwheelsofsteel.com. As we near our 50th episode, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart to everybody, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for the support. Those of you that come up and see me at events and thank me for doing this, I do appreciate it. If you could do me a favor, please remember to visit our sponsors. Use the discount codes. That is how they know that we are reaching you and that you are liking what you hear. And uh, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that this stays free forever. I enjoy doing this and I enjoy meeting you people. Uh, I met up with some folks this last weekend at the V-Twin Visionary Tour in uh, Tennessee at the Smoky Mountain Harley-Davidson. And uh, I really appreciate all of the kind words and all of the help that you guys give me on creating content. So without further ado, I give you Mr. Rich Ruck from It'll Ride Choppers. Check him out online on Instagram at It'll Ride Choppers. See, I'm I'm, uh, I'm recording. Okay, like a real radio guy now. Yeah, right. I mean, I have a face for radio. At least that's what I'm told. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I finally just got a haircut, man. I had a Rona head for like six months. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I got this little, uh, I got this little Vietnamese guy that's cut my hair for like 20 years, and I, I sat down because I haven't seen him since March, and sit down in the chair, and you know, he's literally five feet tall. So he lowers the chair almost to the ground. Right. And he goes back and he's picking at the back and I get you know, it gets all curly and fuzzy. And he's like, Oh, Richard, grow belly tick on back, grow belly tick on side, still nothing top. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're bald on top, are you? <laughs> said, nah, not totally. It's you know, I still oh, you're got getting hair up there. there yeah, you're thin. getting there. <laughs> I'm like, thanks a lot, dude. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just came here. Hey, if he, he he's nothing if not honest, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. He said, We just cut. We we fix top and uh, we fix side and back and leave top alone. That's actually a pretty good Vietnamese. Uh, I can't do I can do like no almost no Asian uh, accents. I can do I can do a pretty good Indian, but and that's te- I guess that's technically Asian. That's an Asian. Yeah. So I, I picked that up from from hanging out with him. Right on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've started. Uh, I have a guy that I generally will cut my hair. Um, yeah, go at least a couple times a month, you know, and I get the hair, the, the shave, the whole deal. I feel like a Kennedy when I walk out of it. When someone's, you know, shaving you with a fucking, with a straight razor, it's, there's something cool about that, you know? Yeah. But with the Corona, when that was all going on, I was like, he, didn't, he wasn't making any money. Yeah. So I'm like, dude, just come to the shop. And I would line up. I'd have four or five dudes. Like, he'd just cut hair for a couple hours, make some money, you know? Yeah. And I, I was paying pretty decent. But last couple of weeks, I've just been busy, and so I've been cutting my own hair again. I've cut my own hair for years. It's just, dude, I figured out with the mirror and the this and the that, and you know, you know what the difference between a good haircut and a bad haircut is? <laughs> What's that? About two weeks. Yeah, so exactly. you know what I mean, like. <laughs> That's a good point. That's <laughs> so I figured, fuck it. If I mess it up, if I really, I, I don't have any thinning hair. That's the one good genetic thing that I got because everything else is right down the fucking middle. If you looked at average male and everything, I mean, my credit score, my height, everything is right down the fucking middle. You know. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's thing. When that stuff was kicking off and everything was closed down, it's like, man, can you still get a Floby? And sure enough, <laughs> I started like everybody's like, what the fuck is a Floby? Right. And you, I'm like, dude, do you they have on eBay? I, I look around. I'm like, they still make these goddamn things, but you can't find them. They, it's like a, is that a real company. A, <laughs> yeah. The like, remember the the machine that was the um, it had the it was like the. I think it was a Nordic track deal, right? Yeah. You'd have it in your house, and it was like the yeah. the swing thing. It was like your your cross country skiing. Yeah. Jesus Christ, you can. I, I'm convinced, dude. You can sell white people anything. <laughs> I mean, you put a label on it, you get an infomercial, and white people will buy it. We are hook, line, and sinker. We just take it all. Yeah, as long as ultimately you can hang your clothes on it. That's yeah, right. It's just an extra, exactly it's in the corner of the room. It's like a cl- it's like, like a valet in the corner of your room, yeah. right? Where's the laundry go? <laughs> Hangs over these handlebar things. Exactly. <laughs> Why don't we start out by telling everybody who you are? Uh, Richard Ruck. I I uh, go under It'll Ride Choppers on uh, Instagram. Uh, local builder. Uh, local two. Bikes. Local to uh, Tampa, <laughs> Florida. Are you from yeah. Tampa originally? Uh, actually, I'm from upstate New York. I grew up in the Catskills. Right on. And, uh, I've been in Tampa about 20 years now. Yeah, what brought you down here? Years. Weather? Weather, yeah. Right on. Yeah, I'm not a cold weather person. I grew up in the Catskills. There's a lot of good skiing up there, a lot of people. It's kind of first stop out of the city, so we get a lot of you know city traffic, weekenders. There's a couple of good ski resorts. A lot of my friends were into snowboarding, snowmobile, and all that good stuff up there. Yeah. And it's just not for me. You know, like I'm, I'm a cold weather guy. I've been a motorcycle addict since I was a kid. And it was like, I kind of was finishing up school and said, you know what, what am I doing in a place where I hate the winter? And it seems to be winter six months of the year now. Right. What, uh, what, uh, where did you go to school for? I went to school for business, business major, business right and on. economics. So, and what do you do now? Uh, I work in the engineering department of, of a hospital of, okay. of Lakeland right down the road. Lakeland yeah. Regional Hospital? Yeah. Yeah. That's so fun. They're one of the sponsors of this. Like oh, yeah. They're a big, they're a big part of this. Yeah, that's cool. So we have the, what I'm talking about, um, which I'm sure you're tired of, the people who listen to this all the time are probably tired of hearing. Um, but the Central Florida Wheels of Steel Indoor Custom Motorcycle Show, it was supposed to happen in June, and obviously for reasons that we all understand and know now, uh, didn't happen. And rather than cancel it, we just moved it till December. So we end up going to, we're actually, I'm hoping that this is where it stays. And, and my, my theory behind that is uh, happy accidents are some of the best accidents. Mm-hmm. And because we had to move this to the end of the year, the weather is going to be infinitely better. It's actually going to be riding weather, right? Yep. And we're going to have uh, the, um, the snowbirds would be down. So I think as far as a, uh, it's an indoor motorcycle show, so it's not weather dependent anyways. But I think people will be out moving around. We'll have we'll have more people. All the all the snowbirds, the blue hairs will be down in Zephyr Hills where yeah. they, where they belong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll keep them over there where they're not running over people. It's going to be a good spot too. You know, I mean, Lakeland's come come a long way. You've been here, I think you said ten years, right? Ten so, years. So you kind of seem like downtown Lakeland's pretty cool. There's I love that. Cool yeah, have you ever gone downtown Lakeland at, in the evening? Oh yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's awesome. There's yep. a bar down there called the Fed. Yep. And dude, that thing is that's that's our jam. I mean, my wife and I will go down there. There's a really good sushi place down there, Tsunami. Yep. We go down there and I'm sure you you've probably hit these spots for lunch if you work at the hospital there. Yeah, definitely. And uh there's uh Mojo's uh the the barbecue deal. Yep. And then there's that whole other street where, you know, you got that killer um like I don't know what the right 
what is the hamburger joint that's down there? It's, uh, uh, it's kind of, it's, it's very like 50s, 60s themed, you know, rockabilly themed. I'm trying to think of. Yeah. Um, let me think of it. Uh, it's the chop shop, right? Yeah. The chop. Yeah. yeah. Duh. <laughs> Harry's good seafood. So what I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, our indoor custom motorcycle show this year because, uh, Jeff, jo- Jeff G. Holt is mm-hmm. a good friend of mine. And last year we did some stuff with somebody else to be the MC, somebody local that has one of those local magazines. And it's like, those are antiquated. There's no editorial content in them. So I don't read them. Yeah. And, you know, and the people like me don't read them. And so we, we, to my chagrin, we hired him to, to do MCing and he really didn't, you know, he didn't understand the space. He puts on lots of motorcycle events in this community, but they're, they're day, they're day trips. They're, you know, ride in, ride out deals. They're, there's some fundraising piece to that, but he, he really didn't understand the space that I was going for. What I wanted to do was create an event that people wanted to come to from around the country and do were there. We've got Chris Moose, Cody Childress, um, Bare uh, Knuckle Paul's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just reached out to a couple dudes today that I'm, I'm hoping Brian at TPJ, Mike Rabideau. And Pat Patterson, I'm hoping those dudes, I'm hoping I can get, you know, get them guys down. We're going to have 10 to 15 builders that are going to be there. And the show that we're creating, one of the things that I tried to impress upon the board, because it it is a, it is benefits charity, a 501c3. So, which you understand that space a little bit of being around, you know, you got a business degree. So I'm not, I'm not talking above your pay grade that um, we have to count for everything, Mm -hmm. right? And so I tried to explain them. They're like, you know, they want to hyper-focus on selling vendor spots. I'm like, no, let's fill that place with the best builders in the country, pro and am. And they will do the work for us because they want to bring their, you know, they have a following. Everybody has a following, you know, on social media, especially nowadays, you know, just like, I don't know how many followers you have, but I, I've followed you forever. And like two weeks ago, I'm like, this guy's in Tampa. (laughs) <laughs> how do I f- not fucking know that he's in Tampa? You know what I mean? So uh, it's, it's going to be an awesome show. And, and, I'm, and I'm, we've built it around the idea that we don't charge builders to come. We'll give you a 10 by 10. Easy Riders didn't do that. You know what I mean? When they had their shows, and, and to me, that's the pinnacle of an American indoor motorcycle show. So Yeah, I always, uh, it was always odd to me that it's like you're the show, but you have to pay to get in. <laughs> yeah Same right thing i was in charlotte you know for the easy riders show and it's like all right uh, you, you invited me to come here on one hand and i'm i'm part of the attraction but yet i gotta pay to get here and get in and you know to get here fine is is you know that is what it everybody is. has to get that. to where yeah, they're at right everybody's got to get there but it's like oh, really you gotta hit me for 50 bucks to get, and and get a parking space 50 you know what I mean? why like fi- you know what i mean but where's 50 come from yeah. like i mean that's that's like an insulting amount of money so the way we're doing it is if um, so if you're a if you're a manufacturer of parts mm-hmm. but you're a builder, like there's one particular friend of mine. Uh, do you know who Booster Brad is? Yep. So Booster Brad is he's an invited builder, and he's going to get a vendor spot. So we'll put those two together. He'll have a ten by twenty for the price of a ten by ten, mm-hmm. and he can sell parts in it. Now builders, we want them to just say, hey, you know what? If you're a builder, we want you to sell your t-shirts, your hats. You know, just the merch. But if you're a parts, if you're selling parts, then you're going into kind of that vendor space and we'll work something out with you. Because, again, we're trying to raise money for a good cause. And I, I, 
I feel ridiculous ta- telling you. I, I'm I'm upset that you didn't. Not upset, but bummed out that you didn't know that. Um, do you know who? Uh, I can't remember her last name now, but it's Jennifer Cipriano. I think uh, that's her name. That's possible, yeah. Yeah. So she's she's our advocate. So the whole thing is is being that it's for the 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 early learning coalition of Polk County, right? So mm-hmm. early intervention is the best intervention. Right. So we're thinking teach kids. We have a ride the right way initiative. So we have a sponsor providing helmets, and then we fit kids for helmets, and we have a kids corner and all that stuff. But it's under the auspices of being a really high end motorcycle show that has the best bikes around and, and the best builders. So yeah, yeah, I like it. I mean, there's. There's a there's a trend in in these shows, and, and to be honest with you, um, I, I don't do a lot of shows just because I'm generally turned off to them. But but the trend in the new school shows is more about you know the bikes and less about the trying to eat a hot dog off a string on the back of a and, you know and, and while I try being to, topless and yeah I mean you know you don't have to wear a shirt if you want no yeah. <laughs> um, but trust me you want me to <laughs> my point was is that. The, the individual that we had last year, um, you know, those are the kinds of shows that he puts on, you know, $3 hamburger, $2 beer. Mm-hmm. That's not our show. I want a more higher end show. I want a classy show. I want a show that showcases our talents and our abilities and what kind of, you know, benevolence of giving back to the community, you know, kind of motorcycles as art. So that's where that kind of came from because they originally approached me about doing something like, well, we want to do a poker run. I'm like, I'm out. Yeah, I'm a poker out. run or a ride in or yeah, I'm just like it's you know they're like this. why and I'm like well first off you can't control the weather number two you can't control bikers yeah. you know what I mean yeah. we're offering something where you come in check it out hang out for the whole day the whole weekend I think people are gonna be hanging out the whole weekend because with the builder dais dais that we have in the hotels you know those two hotels are right there in the parking lot we've mm-hmm. negotiated a killer rate at the Hyatt dude I even told my wife we live right right on the corner. I'm like, we're getting a hotel down there. All of my friends in the industry are going to be there. We're going to get hotels, and we're going to go to the Fed, and we're going to go, you know, we'll start out at the Fed, and then we'll end it at the cigar bar. You ever go to the cigar bar above uh, the corner there? Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have I've been there where the guy's like, hey, man, I, I got to go home. <laughs> like, go. Yeah, you got to get you got to get the F out. <laughs> um, so tell me about your background. So background, uh, starting from passion for motorcycles or just... Just, I mean, kind of wherever you want to pick up. Like, you know, when I tell people, like, I grew up on two wheels. Like, I was a hardcore, I mean, semi-professional, you know, BMX trick rider, freestyler with sponsored and all that stuff. So, like, I grew up on two wheels. I had mini bikes and, you know, the whole deal. Yeah, so kind of similar. When I was a kid, like, first, second grade, I can't remember what it is. I think first grade, I was a little bit wild, you know, I was... Couldn't, couldn't settle down. I think, you know, probably in retrospect, if it was today, they'd have probably zap me up on Ritalin and right. <laughs> turn me into a zombie, but just a little nuts. But, you know, always loved motorcycles. Had a kid up the road that was a few years older, and he had a little dirt bike. So it was like, man, I need a dirt bike. You know, I'd be talking to, to my parents all the time, like, I want to, you know, I want to ride one of these things. Right. So, you know, finally it was, uh, you know, dad, dad bribed me. Like, you got to make good grades. You got to behave in school. You got to sit down when the teacher tells you to. Right. <laughs> Do your homework and and we'll get you, you know, get you a dirt bike. So I kind of turned it around and uh, I'll never forget. It was the 82 YZ50 was my first bike. You know, it was around that Game time. Game like 82. So I had the, this little YZ50 and 
you know, after that, it was like that was the the price of admission for that was behavior, which is a, which is a good thing, right? So, uh, but I remember being a kid and just being like, man, I can't wait to get done with school, get my work done, just so I can get home and 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 ride that sucker around the yard. And we were in upstate New York, you know, like in the Catskills area, so we had a couple of acres, so it was basically riding around the yard for a couple of years, and uh, you know totally into you know dirt bike motocross action and that back then like yep. motocross fanatic and you know eventually convinced dad to uh you know get me a better set of boots and and take me to the track and started motocrossing you know pretty young and and sent, spent a good 10 pretty much through you know high school uh as as uh, racing motocross had a had a decent amateur career you know it's sure. pretty good locally went to tennessee at loretta lynn's nice. and stuff so um, so yeah, it was good. You know, it was just a huge part of my life. Um, at, at, there's kind of a crossroads in there where it's like, uh, you know, you have to have that conversation. It's like, all right, time to go to school. <laughs> you know, motocross isn't going to most likely not going to, going to pan right. out as a, as a career. So, um, you know, school time and, uh, you know, I'd gone to school still, still riding and you know, it's funny. I, I was o- so into to dirt bikes and off-road and, and racing that when I first got my first road bike it was the klr you know 650 and on off nice, nice crossover excels yeah because yeah. it was like i couldn't think of having a motorcycle and not being able to take it down a trail right or, or not being able to buzz it off you know and, and cut through a field or or do whatever or or you know trick it <laughs> i feel that thing. that 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 doesn't happen much in florida no no and and uh you know i was one of these guys that was like oh why are people buying a Harley? You just, you know, that's good for riding it down to the bar or, or whatever. Right. And, uh, you know, I love those Enduros, you know, as much as I could. And then I had a buddy that, that ended up getting a fat boy and, and he rolled up on it and, you know, it must've been early nineties. I think it was, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger time, you know, oh, yeah, the, the fat gray boy coast. was like at its peak. Oh yeah. yeah. And he's like, man, check this thing out. And I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cool looking, but I don't know. He's like, take it down the road. It's the craziest thing. And yeah, it's right. I, I don't know if you can remember the first time you rode a, you know, a V twin. It's like you just get on that, and you're like, yeah, this is something different. This is something. I've never had anybody ask me that. Yeah, there's something. The first time you get on that thing, and you're sitting on, you know, transitioning from a dirt bike where you're basically up in the air to where your ass is. Eighteen. First time I rode a Harley ground. was when I bought mine at the dealership in '03. Mm-hmm. So. That's a that's bizarre. I've, I've never even never even pondered that for a second. You know, because yeah. I've always been on a motorcycle. Yeah. My dad had a rigid chopper growing up, uh-huh. and then I rode on that with him, and then I rode on uh, the back of his Harley Davidsons once he started getting into those. So I I guess I just never thought about the difference between piloting it and riding on the back at that point. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, after that, it kind of just took off. It was like, all right, <laughs> you set my path now. Yeah. I guess it's time to get a Harley. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You've ruined me. <laughs> I think I was in my, yeah, I think I was in my early 20s then, but it was like, well, I guess I'm officially old. Time to get a Harley, get, get a bunch, bunch of different t-shirts. And uh, <laughs> it was a very different space back then. Yeah. It really was. I mean, in, in the early 90s, dealerships were still independent like little independent owned motorcycle shops that just had a dealership franchise. Yeah. They, they had were the old lighted sign out front that would hang in there that says Harley parts. And you know, yeah, I didn't ultimately get that, that Harley till later. So I think it must've been mid nineties when, when I made that, uh, that epiphany or came to that conclusion. Right. So it was like late 
late 2000, you know, late nineties, two thousands. And it's like you said that that's when Harleys were making that transition where it was like, they were mom and pop shops and, you know, just kind of a normal bike shop right. where I'm comfortable. And then uh, they started kind of knocking those down and building buildings with, you know, lounges and, uh, you know, the, the modern day, modern day Harley shop. How do you feel about all that? I mean, you know, can, do you have an opinion about where Harley's at and what they're doing? And I mean, I mean, it's some people it doesn't affect, I mean, you build all of your own stuff and you're using the Harley engine you're using or have already been bought and paid for five times over by somebody or a bought, number of people bought and paid for and molested and rebuilt and sure. on and cracked. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm really into the old stuff, the old iron and, and you know, from, from a business standpoint, I, I look at where Harley's at and I think I, in, in some regards, I'm their target demographic. You know, they want me in their showrooms and, and I'm not in there. So, I mean, to, to me, that points to, to a problem, you know, a problem with, with where they're going. And there's, there's just not anything that's appealing to me right now. Yeah, we are their target demographic. I mean, I, ideally, we would replace the baby boomers who are done buying motorcycles. Yeah. I mean, how many tri-glides? You buy a tri-glide in your 60s. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nowhere else to go from that. Yeah, you buy that in your 60s, and somebody else buys it 20 years later when it has 3,000 miles on. That's it. what I want to see. What that's going to look like, <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean, we all have, we've all experienced the um, the guys who. My favorite, my favorite story about that that I can attribute to anything was it was a given in my house that my dad was going to have a motorcycle. I mean, I don't ever remember. I remember my dad not having a motorcycle, but I that was because he sold it to buy something else or things yeah. things got tough. Um, there was never a point in time where my dad wasn't a biker. You know, mm -hmm. even when he didn't have a motorcycle, it was still chain wallet, Harley shirts, handlebar mustache, hair down to his ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was what we did. But there's a group of people in kind of in my dad's age group and a little younger that all they talked about was getting a Harley. Someday they're going to have a Harley. Someday they're going to have a Harley. Someday they're going to have a Harley. When I sold cars, this is back 95, 96, when I started, there was a dude that made $180,000 a year back then. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of money today. That's a lot of money back then. It's a metric fuck ton. Yeah. And all he talked about was one day he was going to get a Harley. One day he was going to get a Harley. Well, I, that was 96. When I moved down here in 2010... His Harley was at my shop stored for the winter. And here he is all these years later, depriving himself of having something that he wants. And you and I remember the days where you couldn't go down to the Harley dealer and buy a bike. You had to be in a lottery yeah. to buy a bike. And this dude, when this dude finally decided he was going to buy a bike, owning a Harley was only a big deal to him. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, I, it, it, it was a big deal because they were hard to get. It was a big deal because you didn't get to pick the color usually. You know, I mean, there, it was a big deal. Yeah. Take and what you get. Yeah, you take what you get. And that's why there's, you know, one of my buddies back home is riding a 99 Road Glide with its purple. Mm -hmm. You know, he ordered a black one, but he's got a purple one, <laughs> yeah. you know. And so they have taken... They have taken the, um, 
I don't even know what the right word, what's the adjective I'm looking for where you're talking about, you know, the, the, the ownership piece of that, that, you know, is really, really awesome. Right. Mm -hmm. The, the, the exclusivity of that, they've taken that away. They've taken that away from everyone, everyone. Yeah. And so their demographic that's growing are guys that are buying kids that are buying $3,500 Dyna low riders so they can wheelie them and beat the shit out of them. And those are going to be junk. I mean, we know that's going to, mm-hmm. it's like a, it's like a Fox body Mustang or a 69 Camaro or a 69 Chevelle. You know, when the gas crunch hit, everybody bought fucking Toyota Corollas and Honda Civics and all the kids bought up the 69 Chevelles and 69 Camaros and beat the piss out of them. They rusted apart. And that's why a Chevelle is worth, you know, a junk Chevelle right now or a basic Chevelle is worth 25,000 plus, you yeah. know? And that's what I look at, like, if the few times that I've been in the showroom in the last 10 years, you know, it's probably five times, and I'm like, who are we marketing to? You're like, what's the plan here? You know, I mean, that's what, that's where, you know, I'm off. It's like, on some of the models, they want to be somewhere in between, you know, like a, a traditional, you know, younger kid bike, a crotch rocket or something like that, <clears throat> but it's but still it's sticking to some of the Harley roots, yeah. you know, and it's like, that's not, you know, it's not what we're after. So, um, I get know. a lot of shit for my negative attitude about it. And a lot of people, it's, it's misplaced. I, I don't hate Harley. Yeah. So, I hate that, that they don't, I don't know. They don't ask me. I don't know what, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, I, I think I have a pretty good plan. You know, you think you have a pretty good plan. I think they've got too many models. Yeah. Right now, I think they have too many models, and I think the production numbers are too high. You want to make fucking shareholders happy? Reduce the amount of production and increase the price. Yeah. Their profitability goes up, right? Make it exclusive again, you know? But then you got the other, uh, you know, people are looking for something that's unique. And that's kind of where I got into this customization um, down this path. It was like I I finally made the the ball, contrary to your, your buddy, where it was like, Someday I'm going to get a Harley. I was like, fuck it. I'm just doing it now. Like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm getting this thing, and I'm going to get it while I'm young. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's funny. I think I remember reading an article at the time, and it was like, well, the average Harley owner is 50. You know, and it was like, well, I'm, I'm above average for once. Yeah, you know, exactly. I'm, I'm beating this. <laughs> I'm ahead of the fucking <laughs> like, curve. I'm ahead uh, of the curve. You know, like, Get I'm on done. the phone, call your parents. Hey, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> yeah, so, I, you know, I had this fat boy, and it was like, all right, let me, you know, let me put this piece of chrome on it. Let me do this. Let me, And then it was like, ah, you know, it's still like I can ride it down to Hooters, and it just blends in with everything else. You know, it's like there's 14 other that almost look exactly like it, and got the same crap on it so i got a soft tail after that and that was like my first kind of mild custom it's like soft the the frame horns and put a heartland kit on it and yep. swapped the front end out for a springer and you know did did the 180 heartland kit on the back and it was like look at that man i'm a i'm a builder now those are fucking <laughs> yeah. cool though yeah it, and it's a cool bike like I, you know my, my brother's got that bike and it's still kind of you know it's still kind of timeless. they're kinky i like them. yeah uh, that's the era when i come into the game though like so like the heartland kit was like that was the jam yeah it, it's you know basically like a springer with a heartland kit on it and it's like you know you clean that thing off today i think it's a oh oh four oh five and I'm like, yeah, that thing still kind of timeless. It, it holds up. It's cool. Um, but, you know, it's like you just kind of transition into it. So it's like, well, what's next? You know, I mean, right. you see people and builders and 
pick up the magazines back when magazines still existed and and you're like man i you know how do i get there and and to, to go buy one it's not like you're gonna have you know billy or jesse build you a bike and and <laughs> and absorb that so it's like well i guess i guess it's time to learn how to fabricate <laughs> yeah so w- how does what is the what is that so you had your, your your heartland kit bike and then after that you you move right on to building something from the ground up yeah uh not long after that i think i had a couple of bikes in between what year is this some different uh customization oh six oh seven and then uh you know i bought an old shovel like probably seven ish seven eight somewhere around there i'd have to shoot i'd have to check notes but you know that was back when you could get a, a shovel head that was running and driving down the road for three grand and, right you know they were basically in people's yards so it's almost like when i was a kid 16 years old you could find a volkswagen bug in it in yeah. any given person's backyard and uh you know like i had a buddy we were a bunch of volkswagen junkies and it, there seems to be a correlation between that like a lot of chopper guys i know they started on a volkswagen yep. you know taking apart old beetles it's, it's the car it's the car that most closely resembles a chopper yeah yeah exactly so uh yeah i got that old shovel and and you know i tore it down to a frame and uh you know i remember i wanted a just a hardtail shovel and I, I, I liked a lot of the indian larry stuff you know the kind of more compact bobber look big fan of like jeff cochran he was sucker punch then uh, you know at yeah. that point before he was out at, at speed king so um you know him and that's and, a good way Don. to describe your work is halfway in between a speed king and, a, and an indian larry because you it's obvious that you make a lot of your own parts but you're really good at making the left one look like the right one <laughs> Yeah, most of the time, <laughs> which is because like, which is fucking hard. I'm cra- sometimes crafty with a file. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, man, it's how whatever whatever gets you there, right? I, I post those pictures three days apart, but trust me, strategic. <laughs> 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 like, doing a, a tail one time and and having like twenty feet of screwed up pipe that it screwed up tubing that I had bent the wrong way or just a little bit off, and it's like. Yeah, okay. I'm just gonna post the picture of me cutting this thing in half and put the picture of the tail on, and then I did put the picture of the pile of yeah. pile of disaster, like Al, Alan Emerson. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy, yeah. dude. Everything I, you know, I don't know if that guy. And I'm just clowning him because the guy is so fucking talented, yeah. and I don't even know him. <laughs> but I mean, even his pictures, I'm like, God damn it! Can I? I mean, every weld, is every perfect. weld is perfect. Every photograph is perfect. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I can't even imagine. It's funny. I I was at uh, Brian Patera's once, and we were talking about you know kind of where we started off, ha- sort of having this conversation. And he's like, "Yeah, I went to do my first frame, and you know, I was talking to Al, and and we had you know talked about a few things, and you know, he said at the time I was gonna gonna fly out and and you know do the frame in his shop, and I was like, holy shit, man, I'd be afraid to be in there. I mean, I picture that thing like you know I'd get dirt on the floor or something. And yeah, like, like, hey, man, can you sweep crap. that up? <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? I just, that guy strikes me as somebody that um, approaches everything from an artistic standpoint, even in the engineering side of things. And I bet he's very organized. Yeah. And part of that's, I'm not as organized as I want to be. You know, sometimes I wish I was OCD. You yeah. know what I mean? I really would like wish for a good case of OCD because I would I would get every little detail where it needed to be, you know, and, and I'm, I'm a look, man, we got to get the job done kind of dude. And, you know, we can fix what we need to fix later, later. And yeah. That's probably one of my biggest hangups. I'm somewhere in between that. I definitely get, 
get obsessive over over some stuff and i you know i think it's like i I sweat the small stuff a lot and a lot of times that's what tends to slow me down you know it's yeah but that's what sets your bike apart from somebody else who doesn't sweat it yeah because truth be told you know i look at some of the stuff that i've done and that i have the ability to do and i'm like i know where my limitations are like everybody i think knows where their limitations are of of the skill set that they already have and if they're being honest with themselves you have to you have to know where that line is so you know when you get close to it that you're going to cross it and whether or not you can handle what that's going to entail right Mm -hmm. so that's an important thing that comes with i think they call it maturity i don't know much about it but (laughs) maturity i don't have any i'm you know i find that most of us in this business and uh my buddy you know paul uh weidman is bare uncle Uh we talk about all the time because we've known each other for so many years i mean we both started our shops at about the same time found ourselves in a lot of the same rooms you know we've fucking been really good friends for for so long even when we don't we've gone years without talking the minute you talk it's like you talked last week right and it's we we just know that know that space Mm -hmm. and it's it's hard to to realize it but we're really just all 15 year old kids we just have a lot more responsibility than most 15 year old kids do yeah (laughs) 15 year old kids just kind of trying to figure it out you know it's like i always like i come to realize like you you kind of have a plan when you start cutting something in half and right and, but then at the end of the day it's like I, I, loosely i know where this is going and and i kind of know how to save it if it all goes bad so you know there's a liberating uh factor and the first time you you know take off the take out the death wheel or the sawzall and start hacking something in half and and to me that's the cool part like that's what grabbed me like i i remember the first time that first bike that i built you know i took it down stripped to a frame and it's like um you know okay i want a hardtail you know like i'm i want you know speed kingish or indian larry type bike and i got this vision and um like i remember sweating over the frame and it and uh I ordered a, a hardtail kit from from Jeff at, at Speed King, and a couple of emails back and forth with him, and it was like, man, I don't, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I want to cut this thing in half or, or what, you know, like I don't know if I should be doing this myself, and um, you know, he's about as cool as it could get. He he's dude's like, great, dude, just do it, and if if you fuck it up that bad, send it to me and I'll fix it. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um... He was one of the first guys that I had on the podcast eight years ago. Uh-huh. And uh, he's so, like, I don't know how to explain it. He's, he's just unflappable. He doesn't change no matter what happens. He's the same dude all the time. Yeah. And he's I, I respect that and appreciate that and love that about him. And to be fair, we know each other. We're very kind to each other. I wouldn't say we're buddies, you know, we've never gone to have dinner or anything, you know, but we've been around each other so for so many years and so many it, it, in the same space that we kind of have that mutual respect. And that's one of the things that I strive, I've always strived for in this business is I know so many talented fucking people that, man, if, if, if I know you're really good at doing something, mm-hmm. I would rather ask you, hey, man, can you help me do this? I'll pay you, do whatever. But, and I'm proud to tell you, tell everybody, hey man, you know, Rich did this with me. This is, you know, you can see it. And I'm a fan first. I tell everybody that I'm a fan first. I'm a fan of talent. I'm a fan of motorcycles. I'm a fan of, you know, the whole deal. So it's fun for me 
Yeah, that's that's kind of where I was going. It, you know, it's 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 an interesting track when you sort of, and, and I'm not trying to say that I'm an insider or some kind of big timer. It's like I'm a barely a toe in the pool, you know, on this. But some of these guys that I've I've looked in at in Cycle Source and Horse and these you know kind of backyard builder magazines over the years have been the coolest to me, you know, and like Jeff's just one example of that. Sure. He was like, cut the sucker and just don't be a chicken shit, do it. And and if you get yourself in too much trouble, you ship it to me in Ohio and I get it back together for you. Yeah. And, and I, what I found is like nine out of 10 guys are like that. I mean, they'll tell you, they'll, they'll, you know, waste half their day answering your dumb emails or take a phone that's call. Part, or, that's part, that's, that's key that I, you know, we love this stuff so much. We trust me. All the phone calls I answer every day, I w- I love it when somebody who is passionate is asking me how to do something that I know how to do that they don't, mm-hmm. so that I can dump that on them. And you know, because there's things that I'm, you know, there's things that I'm I'm pretty good at. You know, I've I've cut my teeth on on a lot of different on a lot of different pacifiers, and um, you know, I would I would tell anybody, look, you want to learn to metal shape, you really want to learn how to metal shape. Call up Eric Gorgeous from Voodoo Choppers. He's not, it's not that he's the greatest in the world and somebody isn't as good as him. He's as good as anybody in the world. And he's such a kind teacher. He's one of my best friends in the whole world. Mm-hmm. And uh, he called me one time when he was starting his his sheet metal class. He's like, hey, will you take this sheet metal class? He goes, I don't want any money from you. I just want you to take the class so that I know if I'm, so I know how to teach class, right? Yeah. And it, fuck, dude, it was awesome. It was awesome. And you know what I learned out of that more than anything? What tools I wanted to buy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, and here's the bad thing is I found out what tools I wanted to buy and I haven't bought any of them because I'm only going to buy the tools he has. Dude, his planishing hammer is 10 grand. Yeah, that's... You know what I mean? His, 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 uh, metal ace is fucking four grand. His pull max. Yeah. You know? I... I, it's easy to get paralyzed with that too, though. You know, I mean, you have to be, it's, you can, if you, if you take enough time and you have enough patience and you're willing to throw enough shit away, you can, you can work with a stump and a hammer, I know, you know but it's like, it's easy to get hung up on, man, look at, you know, like Jesse James is using this 1950. Well, when you, yeah. When you, that, well, you just brought up Jesse James. I was just going to tell you, that's what I learned from Jesse was that, Hey man, it's made out of fucking metal. We can fix it. Mm-hmm. It's made out of metal. We can fix it. Yeah. And, and that's something that I learned from JJ all, all day, Yeah, you know, and I've, I've spent very little time with him, but the time that I have spent with him, he's taught me, I mean, you know, those dudes, those dudes have just, they operate, it's like a video game. I look at life as a video game. I'm not a video gamer, but people understand this analogy. They've leveled up, right? So they're, they're you're playing the same video game. There's, there's different levels, right? Yeah. And some people go into this room. And they level up in this room and some people go into this room and level up in this room. And, you know, guys like Jesse and Billy and fucking Warren, mm-hmm. uh, dude, I go down and spend time at Warren's and I talk about this all the time on the podcast, not to, not as a brag kind of thing, but Warren and I are friends and he'll ask you, you want to, you want to learn like the last time I was down there's like, you want to learn about knuckleheads? I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you sit there and if you give him your attention, Dude, he will spend all day teaching you everything he knows about stuff, and it's fucking amazing. Yeah, and and what that is is uh, these guys 
they're all passionate about it and they want to teach. And that part of the passion is I want to pass this on. I mean, at some point, somebody's got to be able to do this. But they're not going to give it to just anybody, and that's the part that's fucking cool. Yeah, not anyone. And, um, you know, you, you got to be open to, to being there, to, you know, to putting the time be in. Be present. Like, uh, yeah, it's just a, you know, it's, it's, it, it's definitely a kind thing. I, I've noticed a lot of kindness. I mean, it's like anything else. You meet a couple of guys where you're like, eh, this guy wasn't quite what I thought he was, but most people... I, I've learned to kind of exceed the expectations. They're exactly who you think they are or better. Yeah. You know, there's, look, there's, there's jerks in all walks of life and I've been a jerk and you've been a jerk you know, time or two, whatever, you know what I mean? And, uh, we're all works in process and progress, you know, mm-hmm. but there's some, I don't know. Any, I could never quit this business. I can't fucking quit it. Nah. Uh, it, it I don't know how to explain it. It's not, I, the most important people in my life, except for my wife and kids, are in this fucking business. You know, and my mom and dad were in this business with me, too. So, like, I can say that, you know. And, right. And it's like, fuck, dude. Every single close friend that I have is because of motorcycles. Every single one of them. Yeah. The other thing I've noticed with these guys, too, is, and, and um, you know, as you kind of get closer to the core, it's almost like, like I'm, I'm not competing against anybody, you know, like I'm not trying to steal anybody's thunder. I, I you know, I don't, right. I, I'm competing against myself. Every time I do one of these, it's like, I, I took it this or far. Or against that piece of metal that yeah, won't bend I, right. I, I took right? it this far. I like the next time, like, uh, you know, I, I needed help with, with these four things or next time I'm going to build this or I bought this. So I, you know, I want to make it the next time or I, I kind of get how it works. And when you're, when you're competing against yourself, then people are always willing to help you. People mm-hmm. are willing to share. You right. Know, it's like I'm I, I, I'm not in here to, to try and knock down your castle. I'm I'm just curious. Like no, I, I'm just I've met people like that. I've met people like that. There's dudes around in this town that are like that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I put them on blast. That dude that owns Hellbender Cycle. Mm-hmm. I mean, within five minutes of meeting him, I mean, he was like telling me how great he was, and it's like, dude, like. Okay, cool. Great. Thanks. You know what I mean? And he's like looking at my bike and he's like, oh, well, we do. He's like, you should come by my shop. We do, I mean, like way bigger projects than this. And I was like, "Ah, what a weird way to introduce yourself to me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't do that to people. I'm not Mr. Big Stuff. And I tell her, I'm fucking nobody. I like playing to the back of the room. And you know what? I have some of the best friends in the world. You know, guys that. Some of them you've heard of, some of them you haven't heard of, but all of them know that if they call me, I'll be there, and I know if I called them, they would be here. And you can't buy that, dude. You get that from being real and being true and, and helping people out when they're down, and you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's making it happen. The epitome of brotherhood, dude. It is. It's it's cool. I, I'm 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 very cautious. There's two groups of people in this business, and I, I call them dude bros. Mm-hmm. You have your brothers, and then you have the dude bros. These are the dudes that you meet that come in and out of the industry. Cause there's a group of people that come in and out of this industry in a professional capacity that, and people talk about these, all the, these kind of situations all the time. I was just listening. Do you know who Jace at uh, Jace Hudson at the fast life garage? Do you know who that is? I, I know the name. He's yeah. an amazing fucking painter and he's an amazing podcaster. I mean, the dude, I wouldn't be doing this again. Had not had Jace not encouraged me to do it because I did this eight years ago. I did it for a year. People really didn't understand it and he started doing it again. And so, he encouraged me to do it and, and we've become 
very, very good friends. I mean, we talk to each other about business and life and personal stuff. Um, but he just had, did a podcast with Paul and CW over at Bare Knuckle, and they were talking about dudes that kind of cherry pick things. Mm-hmm. You know, they get a fucking big truck, a big trailer. They go get them shop or they do it at their house and they get T-shirts made and hats made and build a couple bikes. And then they find out that it's not an ATM machine. And so they bounce. Right. Right. And I call them dude bros. You know, they're your best friend when you're in an event. And that's great. Everybody. I mean, they're good guys to party with and hang out in that. But, you know, Paul and I have been through some shit. You know what I mean? Uh, Evan and I at Plymouth Cycle and Speed have been through some shit. Bill and I from Bling Cycle have been through some shit. Right. So there's that that thing you're talking about where it's the brotherhood kind of piece. It's fucking amazing. You know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you're, do you build your own motors too? Or, I mean, do you, are you one of these dudes It's like, look, I'm going to do everything on here so, and farm out the, the least amount of shit? So it, it's fun. I was getting, um, you know, I guess a little like retrospective the other day with a buddy. And I was like, you know, there's shit that I wasn't afraid to do when I was 16 that now for some reason it's gotten built up to where I, I don't know about this, you know, like I right. don't want to, I don't want to screw up a motor or I don't want to. So, um, you know, like at 16, I was rebuilding dirt bikes and tearing them things down and, you know, splitting cases and, and doing whatever. So I, I was always like nut and bolt, like I've done top ends and big board kits and all that stuff. And um, the machine work is, you know, always a challenge. Like, obviously, if you don't have a machine shop to do it. And um, just recently, I've I uh, well, actually last year at the at the Charlotte Easy Rider show. Mm-hmm. I met um, Rob Schollinger from R and R. He's he's actually right here in Lakeland. Uh, you know, motor builder got a got a long resume, and uh, you know, got talked to him up there and realized, hey, you're right in Lakeland. You know, cool. I've I'm, never heard of this dude. Yeah. Like, I'm very interested. You have you piqued my interest. Where I have to I have to find out who this dude is. Get him over here. <laughs> yeah, he was actually in the Easy Rider. He he ran a lot of the rodeos and stuff up okay. there. So he's you know he's been in this stuff forever probably built a, a million motors and you know to the point we were just talking about totally graceful guy you know it's like i i did a motor with him and um he, he built just an 80 shovel inch motor on the orange bike that that i have and, and i've had a couple of uh, motors built and that thing it's it's a foot clutch jockey and it's the one bike that i kind of regret not having a hand clutch because it's like downright nasty when you go grab second i mean it's i'm like what the hell did you do to this thing and um you know after that i've done a few motors with him since then one of the last ones it was like hey man i want to be your apprentice like i i'll sweep the floor just just show me what you're doing i mean at some point when when all you guys are gone you know somebody needs to know how to do this coming out of the mmi they're just swapping parts so (laughs) like somebody somebody's got to know it and you know we went through a motor and and it's awesome experience so I'm doing a little more. I don't have a machine shop or anything like that. You know, I, I get it now though, but you know, he's kind of my guy. I, I go to That's him awesome. And, I need to know him. I've got a really good dude here that does a lot of like stock rebuild stuff for me. I don't have the bandwidth. Yeah. I don't have the time. Yeah. Like I, I'm spread so thin that I can do it. I have, you know, I showed you, we've got that engine room there and there's that clo- that cupboard is full of Jim's tools and George's garage tools and stuff. And mm-hmm. it's just, I, I, I'm spread myself so thin that i'd really like to have a dude yeah i'll give you his contact information yeah i'd love to have him on here too. talk to him on the podcast yeah you know yeah. what i mean dude like that that's been through so many you know iterations of what this industry is yeah 
he lurks around shovel heads forever on Facebook. I know I'm not, Does a, he? not a Facebook guy. So I hate on. Facebook. I love <laughs> Instagram. I don't even have it. So <laughs> yeah, oh, you're a lucky thing. man. I'm just Instagram and that's it. Some of people are like, where's your Facebook? I'm like, I don't have it. Like, right. <laughs> I fought it this long. I'm not getting it now. That's good. I think it's, I think it's antiquated. I, I'm kind of hoping Facebook goes away. Uh, I like, the, you know what my favorite, my favorite feature on Instagram is? What's that? Turn off commenting. Oh, yeah. I love that. Just put something, you know, and I'll do that sometimes because I hate virtue signaling. Some people will be like, you know, this, I just want to, you know, my friend in heaven and whatever. I, I get it. If you're going to put that out there, don't leave the comments on. Yeah, that and and you get some dickheads that are just there to rip you. It's like, what? What's your point, man? What, you know, what's the objective? And then here? you go to their page. Like, they've got like 11 posts. they got some yeah. weird fucking, their name's not on there. Well, I get some it. weird thing. They'll start attacking you personally. And it's like, you know. I'll punch you. You don't know. Who, yeah, I'll punch you. I, I might like, be little, but this? I'll punch you. And yeah. I might be little, but I've, I've got some big friends. Yeah, I mean, it's like, what, you know, what's the objective here? Like, why it's are funny, you screwing like, with me? When what, people what are you do so that, upset for? People do that shit to like Paul. Mm-hmm. You know, have you ever met Paul Weidman? I haven't, but I know he's he uh, like seven barely, feet tall. He barely fits <laughs> that fucking door, dude. It's like hugging an oak tree when I see him. Yeah, you know, and he's and he's such a kind person, and, and he really he's a kind person. But I'm telling you, you get on the bad side of that dude, and yeah. I'd rather get hit by a fucking truck. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, that's another uh, thing that uh, Ryan Patera and I were talking about. It's like he's we were talking about getting attacked on Instagram or on social media. And he's like, man, some of these guys. Ryan's not like, one to attack on social media exactly. either. The dude's a fucking MMA fighter. <laughs> and what's the point? No, like, and what's what the point too, for, right? You know? But I, I get it. Like, I, I get, I don't get attacking somebody online. I get being mad about it. And well, I'm not going to not be online because. The the problem is, is that we've got a entirely, an entire generation of people. That hasn't gotten punched in the face. Never been punched in the face. And not only have they never been punched in the face, but there's there's not even a thought that that could possibly happen. Right. It's like you go into some gaming room and listen to them. If you ever want to have a laugh, you go into, like, YouTube or something and, and listen to, like, gaming outbursts. How much know, shit they talk. Again. It's like, holy <laughs> crap. You know? it's, right, like, I'm, I'm of the age where you, you did that. You know, there's a good chance somebody, you better be able to back it up. Oh, dude. Might, Cracky one. Yeah, then, we didn't talk to each other. Yeah. I talked to my friends horribly growing up because we would just rip the shit out of each other. But I didn't talk to people I didn't know like that. Yeah, you know I mean, exactly. It's like you got this social media deal now where you're in in your mind you're talking to somebody from across the country. Yeah, and and flapping your gums, but it's like, do you ever really know who you're just talking to? I mean, what? Come on, dude. And, and why not? Why be a cunt, anyways? Why not just be a nice guy? Yeah, exactly. What's that getting you? I don't know. I think it's, it's just some people that are just bitter about something, and I guess it gives them some satisfaction at some level. Like, well, I'm going to go in here and attack this person. <laughs> I'm going to go in there and talk shit and attack them, and, and be like, you did this or that, and it's like, where did I ever say that I was pro builder of the year or this or that? No, like, yeah, hey, the look, whole I'm, thing is I'm I'm just a regular dude and I'm I'm learning this stuff as I go. Look, man, we're like all garage. regular dudes. Yeah. We just all have different skills. Is uh, your red bike that you've been posting lately? That's your latest. Actually, I did. That's the one that was in Charlotte, but I I just kind of revamped that. Did thing. you make those bars? Problem? No, those uh, are from Anthony at Tinworks. God dang it, I love those. I get more. Yeah, they're they're his uh, dirt bike bars. 
He, so, I had him on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, he's a real cool dude, too. God, that dude's cool. Got yeah. some great stories. Yeah. He was telling me the best story in the world off the air. I was like, oh, oh, oh <laughs> what? Because <laughs> he's one of those dudes that, like, again, you know, it goes to what you're saying. Like, you don't know when you're going to eventually meet somebody, right? Yeah. So that dude and I were doing business way back in 04, 05, I think. Yeah. You know, I mean, as soon as I knew about Chassis Design Company, I was dealing with Anthony Keeling. Yeah. Right. And then and then he goes and, and, and I called up uh, Chassis Design. I use their. I got one right here. Yeah. It's one of my favorite motorcycle parts of all time. Same one I use on I, all my. I keep I keep a couple of really cool like my favorite motorcycle parts is the Chassis Design Company kickstand. If you're building a shovel head and you don't have one of these on your bike, you're missing out. Yeah, FNA. Yeah, FNA cycles. His carb support, to me, this is one of the most brilliantly uh, engineered, and, and the fit and the finish is so perfect on this. And and damn it, the engines that this fits that solves the problem on haven't been built in forty years. Mm -hmm. So it just tells me how smart Eric is. Eric is a genius. Yeah, that's definitely a nice part. And so I keep, you know, I keep a little bit of this around. Yeah, no, same thing, you, though. I, do you do business with Frank at Speed Dealer? Yep. He's, he's a great dude. That's yeah, a guy that I've never been in the same room with that I know of. We go back 15, 16 years, and I don't get it. I don't go very long without a text from him of him calling me some horrible name, <laughs> some sending me a, a, a you know, a flipped flipped bird telling me to fuck myself. You know, every time I order something from him, he wraps he wraps all the parts and ripped up old Easy Rider. And you know, <laughs> he's just I, I love the guy. And I don't even know him. Yeah, you know what I mean. Awesome parts. Almost every one of my builds, I I use his grips, his pegs. I use his velocity stacks most of the time. Uh, and I actually on all my four speeds now, I started using his uh, hydraulic kicker mm -hmm. cover. I got awesome one piece for the price too, dude. I've got one in there. Remind me before you leave. I got one in the engine room because I'm building that bike for TikTok uh, mm -hmm. in England, and we're putting a we put an electric starter on it. Yeah, bought one of the Baker primaries. You know, the really cool the tin type primary that's cast. Yep. So I call up Frank. I'm like, hey, can you can you make the kicker cover without the kicker hole? He's like, yeah. So he makes it, but he sends it to me, and it's got the goddamn post sticking out for the the kicker. The kicker spring. Right. So there's no kicker hole, but he le and he even leaves it on there. And I texted him the other day. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, man? He's like, that's where you hang your biker bell. <laughs> that's a good idea, actually. <laughs> the biker bell. Yeah. Yeah, those guys. I get it. So many people are gravitated towards those bars, too, those dirt bike bars. They're and beautiful. It's like you said, I, I started uh, started dealing with Anthony when I was... Uh, you know, when I was doing my first bike, he, he actually made a set of nice trees back then. I think he's making them again. And it was chassis designs. It was nice, narrow, you know, yeah, narrow dude. glide for Sportster tubes. And, and uh, you know, the guy was like, you know, it was just some, nobody sent him an email and couldn't have been cooler to me. And he's an awesome dude. Yeah, always always got parts from him. And then, you know, he got out of chassis and he was kind of gone for a little while. And he I was in Australia. Yeah, he was on Australia. And, and, Good eye, Mike. Yeah, and I... Uh, I found tin works and I was like, man, these look like Anthony's parts. It did. And I, I hit him up. Uh, actually, I hit him up on Instagram and I was like, Anthony, is that you? <laughs> He's like, yeah, mate. 
Yeah, mate. Yeah, mate. It's me. Right, then. And, uh, you know, exactly what you were just saying. It's We started chatting back and forth. I'm like, man, I'm glad I found you. Because chassis designs kind of scrapped all the, all the chopper parts. And they got into, like, the bagger stuff, which, which is fine. But, like, I'm there for, for the for the chopper, chopper shit. stuff. And uh, Have you been to a shop here? Yeah. And, and, and I got to go over there. That's what was funny. He wants me to go over there, and I've got to get my ass over there. Yeah, yeah. It's, he's got a cool little setup over there. That's what was funny. He's like, "Hey, I'm actually coming into your neighborhood, you know, because I, I had some parts that that I was waiting on." And um, he's like, "I'm going to be there in a couple of weeks. I'm setting up a shop over there." Like, how did that even happen? Right. Well, hey, <laughs> he said that, guns, he said a lot of things. <laughs> guns, God, low taxes. Yeah, you exactly. know what I mean. If you like Florida, that's what it is. You yeah. know, hotter than fuck here, but it's we're getting to that time of the year though. It's getting nice. Where it's like, oh. So that's where my production that. struggles right now. It's like I got one that's on the stand that's, you know, I I, I can push and fi- finish up uh, finish up fabrication, but it's like the sun directly faces my my garage from like three in the afternoon to like. Do you seven. live in like a subdivision or are you on property? Yeah, I, I'm in the I'm in a subdivision. Right. So it's like the sun's just beating on it and it's just brutal out there. You know, this time of the year, there's like two months where it's like. All right. I, I notice if I get up on like a Saturday morning and start going early and just kind of get the sweat going, get a right. nice lather going, then it's not as bad. And, to, and then you actually end up walking in the house. To it's a garage, right? Yeah. Why don't you buy a mini split and put it in the garage? I'm, I'm thinking it. You know, I'm not quite there yet. It's like I got a, a three car, so I got decent space. Yeah. Where I'm at right now. And it's it's kind of easy for me. to. Where are you at? I'm in uh, Riverview, which okay. is, you know, right outside Tampa. You didn't. You got a family, right? Yeah. Kids. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. I. You know, we moved when we moved here ten years ago. It was all based off the schools, and I'm so glad we live here. This is like the perfect place. Yeah. For us, you know. Yeah, that's good here. I've I've been in this area, like I said, for like 20 years, but I've been in Lakeland for a long time. I've had couple of couple of jobs here, like my mass major job. So really, I've worked in Lakeland for last 15 years so it's been interesting to see lakeland grow up but then again it's the whole area you know yeah i'm like brandon riverview all all these areas you like paying those hills hillsborough county taxes yeah no not really you know it's like half over here yeah i know it's like half yeah i mean i look at a house for for what i pay for for what i paid for taxes in michigan i could have a six hundred thousand dollar house here yeah for what i paid and for what i'm what if my house was five miles to the to the west in hillsborough It'd probably be, you know, yeah. And what Hillsborough is weird too, because there's there's spots where it's way higher, you know, in like that Fishhawk area and stuff. They're paying like a premium up there for some reason, and it yeah. never makes sense to me. I guess it's a venereal like disease tax. It's like, yeah, it's like, how is it? It's Hillsborough. I mean, I don't know why, if it's all Hillsborough, how is it different here? We than got there? the killer. We have a killer. Uh, are we have the best sheriff in the country, Sheriff Grady Judd. Absolutely agree. Yep. Are you a, are you a, like a, are you a gun dude? Do you like guns and shit? Yeah, I, you know I've got some. You ever talk to Jeff about guns? No, not 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 guns. So really, chopper stuff. Yeah, you I talk know. to him about guns next time we talk to him. <laughs> yeah, he's like a legit gunsmith dude. Like yeah. he loves guns. Yep, so. I've seen him post you know some stuff here, so I I gather that he's kind of a renaissance man. I see him posting stuff very much. Like he's shredding he's a, a guitar and he's like a, a legit trained watchmaker too. Yeah, so between watches guitars, guns, and then he's a very, very benevolent man when it comes to, uh, like, 
animal stuff like SPCA and human, you know, humane society stuff. So yeah, he's very active in, in that community too. So yeah. it's good when you find out somebody is successful because they did all the right things. And then when they have more than what they necessarily need, you know, he's not like uber rich kind of dude, but he he's, you know, he's got himself to where there's no pressure on that. And he still finds a way to give it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I'd love to have him come come to this show. Yeah. You know, he'd be a, he'd be a great addition. He's such a good dude. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I was uh last year when I was in Charlotte, I met Don, you know, who's who's been buddy his and he was the other half of Sucker Punch there for a while. Equally as cool, dude. Cool, cool I guy. love that guy. Yeah. He just turned 60. Totally graceful too, you know, another one. It's like I said, almost 90% of these guys just super graceful guys. Oh yeah, Dog dude. Choppers, everybody's you know, kind of passionate about it. And that's, you know, that's what I like. It's not like a bunch of one-upsmanship like you might think that it would be. It's, it's you know, just a bunch of normal dudes. You ever go to, uh, you ever go to Sturgis? I haven't been to Sturgis. Really? No, nope, I haven't. I, you know, I'm kind of a, kind of a weird cat in the sense that, like, I'm getting into this now and I'm opening up to it a lot more. But, like, bike shows and, uh, and I guess because it's been the traditional bike show and, and, you know, the large gatherings haven't really been my thing for a while. So, so you go to Willie's? Been to Daytona every year. I'm going to Willie's uh, on the 14th. That's, yeah. That's the plan. So been to the show, but I never had a bike in it before. I got second place in 2006. Yeah. I got second place in 2006 in the sportster class. Yeah. And I've ever since then, I'm like, God I, that's the show that I don't care if I win anything ever in my career. I just don't. Right. <laughs> but I want to roll in there at some point in time. And I think my little sportster back there will, will do pretty good once I, once yeah, I get that thing done. That's going to be a nice build. That's the, the whole thing. Like Willie's, I, I was talking to a couple other builders and they're like, man, you got to go to the Willie's show because I've, I've talked about, you know, kind of what turns me off about some of these bike shows. And, and I mean, like the biggest thing for me is it's always like, I've got to explain what I've done to a judge. And and I, maybe this is an asshole thing to say, but I'm like, if you're a judge, like, you should kind of know. <laughs> I mean, maybe not 100%, but... You shouldn't kind of know. You should know. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's like, why am I explaining to you? Like, you're here to, to judge this stuff, but you have no idea what you're looking at. So At our, our show, we don't let the judges talk to the competitors. Mm -hmm. And we give them a rubric ahead of time. I, I, uh, I give all the judges... Um, we have a, they have to sit with me and I go over each individual line item and I tell them, this is what, you know, this is what you should be looking for. This is what we want out of you. And we give them a very simple matrix. And, uh, some, I, I handpick the people that judge and I'll be honest with you. I pick some people because I'm approaching it from a motorcycles as art place. I don't want somebody who has already made up their mind before they go out onto that floor. Right. I want them to be looking for certain things. This is what we're looking for. You know, and uh, and the reason why we do that is because I want our show to be meaningful to the builders. Mm -hmm. That's why uh, I don't charge a builder, a professional builder or somebody. I consider you a professional builder just based on the number of bikes that you build and the quality that you built and how you promote your bikes. Right. So <laughs> that's a stretch, but OK. Well, no, but so I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking at the bike. Yeah. Right. I'm looking at the bike and I don't mean to take anything away from you, but. What I'm saying is, is I'm looking for, I, you just said it earlier. You said, if you're judging a bike, you should know what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. I know 
when I'm looking at Kyle Ray Rice's bike, I know that he's at a professional level, even if he's not doing it for a living. When one of my, you know, I have a couple of dudes that I keep in, you know, in my inner circle, one of them being Cody Childress. I don't know if you know who that is, but that dude builds as good of a bike as anybody on the planet. He doesn't do what you do. He doesn't, you know, he's a, he's, uh, he's an FXR guy and a, and a, he's a chopper guy too. He's built some fucking amazing choppers and he's real all shucks about his choppers. I'm like, bitch, I know what it takes to get to where you're at on these things. You can't, you can all shucks me all day long, but I know how hard it is to do what you do. And I know how hard it is to do what Brian does. Even if I don't know how to do it, I know how hard it is. Yeah. So when I put you in that space and, and that's the key. And that's what I've always tried to tell everybody. I'm not a bike builder. Uh, I don't consider myself necessarily a bike builder. But, you know, that frame I showed you back there that Paul built for me, that was, that came out of a, kind of a, that was, I was pressured in to do that by him. He's like, look, I want to build you a frame, draw, you know, design a frame so I can build you a frame. I'm like, dude, I'm not a bike builder. He's like, this is fucking 07, 08. He's like, dude, you got to stop saying that. Like, this is what you do for a living, so this is what it is. And I think your peers determine who you are. Like, you know, if you're a stand-up comedian, there's the other stand-up comedians in the community will say, well, yeah, you're a stand-up comedian because of this, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking at your craft. I'm looking at your end product. And unless all of the pictures are bullshit, you know what I mean? Unless it's like a, a singer that sings on auto-tune, I'm, <laughs> I'm done. No, there's no auto-tune there. You know what I'm saying? There's <laughs> yeah. no auto-tune for a motorcycle, a custom motorcycle. So when I put you in that space, it's because I know what I'm looking at. I know what I'm doing. So that's how I can tell a judge, this is what I want you to look for. And I want my show to mean something, right? I want this show to pe – I want people to want to come to this show. And the one thing that I asked for, I told you earlier that they said, uh, we want to do a poker run. And I was like, I'm not doing that. And they said, well, what do you want to do? I said, this is what I will, this is what I will do. This is what I'm willing to, to co-sign on. This is what I'm willing to put my time in because I do. Let me tell you something, putting an event together, I can build a motorcycle way better than I can put an event together. It's so much fucking work. It's definitely less stressed. And my dad was a legit custom builder, like radical custom back in the seventies. And, uh, the one thing I asked for is I said, I want, do you know what the Riddler award is for yep. cars? Uh-huh. Okay. So that can only be one in Detroit. Did you know that? Uh, I didn't realize that was only Detroit. It's only Detroit. And so I want, I named a, a, the award the Rick Award, the Rick Hallman Legacy Award. And Kyle Ray Rice won it last year. Brian made the trophy. Brian picks the bike. When you win that trophy, you have to agree to build the trophy for next year and pick the bike for next year. So Kyle's coming this year. Kyle's building the trophy and has to show up. See? Look at that. Look how rude. That was yours. That was mine. I'm I'm professional podcaster. My wife calls me in the middle of it. Yes, ma'am. Oh, sorry. I was asking. I thought you were going out. No, I'm podcasting and then I'm going out. Okay. Well, I wasn't sure if you were coming or not. <laughs> Probably not. No, honey. <laughs> Everything all right? Yeah. I was just, I just heated up in and I was like, well, if you were going out, you thought you would shower. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're on the podcast. I love you. <laughs> Bye. 
I even put it on do not disturb, but obviously if my wife calls and now everybody knows that my wife's ringtone is uh, Katy Perry. Uh, She's got the Iggy pass through. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to leave that right in the podcast. Uh, But anyway, um, what was I, where was I at with that? Building the trophy. Yeah. So Kyle Ray Rice is going to build the trophy and it's any, it's any bike in the building. That might be more pressure than the, uh, than the bike. I saw the trophy that, that Brian built. Is it, did, was, Brian the cap, built the, was it the cap trophy or was no, that he built that, that for the for, hamsters. Yeah. That the one the he built for, uh, for us was fucking amazing. Yeah. That cap was cool. As hell Dude, he's too. so talented. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about that for a minute. He's, he's one of these dudes. He's very low key too. And he, you know, I think people mistake him, uh, his, he's confident, but he's quiet. Yep. So people see that as like, oh, he's standoffish. Brian is not standoffish. Super Brian's just graceful. not the dude that's going to come over and go, hey, man, what's going on? You want to look at my mic? You know, yeah. he's just not. I am. I'm like, you know, there's two kinds of people. There's the people that uh, wouldn't say shit if they had a mouthful of it. And then there's people who walk around like a shit salesman with a mouthful of samples. Mm-hmm. That's me. Brian's, the uh, you know, wouldn't say shit if he had a mouthful of it. But um, I want people to want to come to this show. I want people to want to try to win that. And I'm trying to get that award to be kind of in that space that the Riddler Award is. Yeah. You know, so I'm hoping you're going to come to the show. Yeah, I'll do it. You might I'm win in. You might got, win the Rick. I got, I got some bikes. Yeah, right? <laughs> Good. Bikes to show. How many How many bikes do you have? How many have you built? So, so right now I've got, um, I, I've got at least access to three, and I've got one in, in the – One uh, in the can. One in the can, yeah. Right. So, and, and, you know, I think what's kind of cool is it's three, I, I try to push myself, try to challenge myself on each one of these things that I do. And I try to do something a little different. So it's sure. like, if you look at the three kind of last bikes that have been in there, cause, it, and I try to get in my head, like, don't, don't just build what you build. Cause otherwise it's going to look like, you know, a, a, a speed King or an Indian Larry bike. Like that's what I like, you know, if I'm, gonna, right. if I'm building it for myself, that's, you know, that's what's going narrow drive front kind of. No, no rake, no stretch, little stretch in the rear or hardtail. So um, I've got, uh, you know, one that's kind of more old school, did it with the uh, HCI, uh, you know, old axle plates in the back, uh, the hardtail choppers, Inc., John, out there. That's the red bike. Mm-hmm. And then um, with the white or brown bike, that's, you know, out and up a little bit. Um, and then the orange bike is, is just kind of, it's funny. The orange bike was one I almost did as a parts bike. It's like you start acquiring shit while you're doing this. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden it's like, well, I got a frame here and oh, I got a front end that I didn't use and I got a motor and I was like, I'm going to throw this together and I'm going to just do this as, as a cheap build. And, um, is there, okay. and when I say uh, cheap, you know, that's relative. I know, I know a cheap, I know what a cheap build <laughs> yeah, is. So cheap. I've tried to sell my wife a cheap build a couple of times. So like, no, this one's going to be a cheap that's build. Oh, I'm going to do a cheap build. I'm going to keep this under 15 grand. And then it's like, ah, it was close. It was 18. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, but, uh, I, I, the part that I always get the kick out of is it's like, you get it to be a roller and it looks like a motorcycle at like six grand, but then somehow before it's riding down the road. Yeah, when like you call up Jim like at Diamond 10. Engineering, and you're like, I need this, I need this, I need 10 of these, 12 of these. And he's like, okay, cool. And Jim's so nice. Do you do, use any diamond fasteners? No. It's it's like crack. No, I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying so not to get there. I, I Well, that's that's one of my moves. Like, Cody and I both, like, if you look at that, um, I don't know if you saw the white bike in the showroom, but I'm a diamond fastener, you know, nerd. 
I like that and ARP. Mm-hmm. In the FXR that I'm that I have that that's kind of my my rider bike, my swatch bike. It's got all the bare knuckle stuff on it. I put all ARP stuff on that because I'm trying to do kind of a period kind of thing, you know, or make it look a little bit older and you know, so I want it all ARP race looking stuff. You know, this is ARP on it. Yeah, I Dude, definitely do the ARP stuff. <laughs> you, though, then you know what I'm talking about, yeah. how expensive that can be. You call up Jim and you give him a list of everything because he's right over in Daytona. And he's like, yeah, it's $1,800. you are like, ah. <laughs> Can I cut that out? Oh, dude, okay. I can't do that. I can't do that. I had a dude come in here. This is a true story a couple weeks ago. And he's like, hey, I know a guy that is going out of business, and he's got all these diamond engineering drawers. You can buy them all for like two grand. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like it's fucking August. Yeah. I don't have any money in August. You can't come to me. Dude, everybody comes to me in August with shit to buy. And I'm like, I'm going to Sturgis every August. Uh, it's the worst month in the bike business. Yeah. You know, everybody's taking their last vacation. They're getting their kids ready for school. They're getting their kids ready for college. They ain't coming to the bike shop spending any money. It's not just August. It's August of 2020. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, yeah, you're coming to the guy that's still in business, telling him about the guy who's going out of business, who's selling all of his shit. So does that mean in September you want to be like, hey, I know a dude who's going out of business and he just bought all this shit from Diamond, all this Diamond Engineering shit. He's got it even cheaper than what it was in August. (laughs) I can't afford to save money right now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I can't afford to save money. That's the best way to put it. You know, I'm just trying to like save money, not just keep spending it. That's, a, that's a, those opportunities come up. It's like, okay, I'm gonna need this a year from now, right? <laughs> Definitely, at some point in a year from now, I'm gonna need this, but I can't afford to save the money now. Are you a hoarder? Got to pay a little bit. I, you know, more and more, I, 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 I drift between like, what am I holding on to this crap for? I'm getting rid of it, and okay, this is gonna come in. So the the better I get at at fabrication and building, the more I I'm starting to notice that I'm hoarding because it's like, all right, I've got these, you know, three back halves where I've cut off and, and done a hardtail. Like, I'm going to build a frame out of these things, you know, sooner or later. And uh, so, you know, like, hey, you got these castings or this old soft tail swing arm that I cut off and saved the axle plates. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm starting to, to get that a little bit. Do you do you go out and, and I'm guessing not very much because we don't we'd never met each other before. Um, do you go to like bike nights and that kind of shit? I used to constantly, but I haven't in, in a while. Like I've, I've kind of been out of that scene. Right. You know? So I, to be honest with you, it's, I don't even know where the, where the good bike nights are. Now. I don't either. Yeah. I don't, I'm not much, I, you know, I try to tell people all the time. I have customers like, Hey, how, uh, you want to go riding? I'm like, actually I don't, I don't ride with customers because I think it's bad luck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, if you ride with me and you're my customer, I can guarantee your bike's going to break or something's not going to work right. And then I'm going to be sitting at the fucking wing house and all I'm going to hear is you tell me about how when you turn the blinker on 35 miles an hour, it flashes a little fast, but at 42, it's fine. And at 28, it's fine. But at 35, you know, I don't want to hear that shit. Yeah. That's why I'm it's open from 10 off. to 6, Monday from Monday through Friday and 9 to 1 on Saturdays. Um, but it just as a general rule, I don't ride with very many people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't get to ride as much as I want to ride anyways because I'm I get a lot of motorcycling in. Just it looks different than other people. Like I enjoy working on motorcycles. I enjoy working at a bike shop. I enjoy fabricating parts. I forget it's so few and far between from opportunities that I get to fabricate stuff that I forget how much I enjoy it. Yeah. 
you know, where a guy like you, you're smart. You do it as a hobby. So when when you when you have too much going on, you can you can park that shit. Yeah, and that's where I'm almost careful about what I do. And I've I've done some some stuff for people. You know, I've had some kind of commission builds in it, and it's like, all right. So you you're know, a pro I'll builder this, then. But well, hey, I, I guess if you take money for it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, I don't know if I get any money out of it at the end of the day. No, no, you probably don't. You're I, like me. I it's, a, it's like this is a nonprofit. It's just not a five hundred one c three. If I paid myself ten cents an hour <laughs> at the end of it, but. You know, it's like this has got to be on my terms because I'm not. I, I'll get hung up on on small things sometimes, and I, and I think that that is kind of what makes my end product good. But you know, it's like the the, the white bike or or the uh, um, root beer bike. You know that thing. I made like a last second change. Now, this is a classic example where I get hung up. Like last second change, the bike is ninety percent done. Was you know working with the engine builder. He's like, let's go with dual plug heads. Okay, perfect. And then I get like dual plug coils and I'm like, holy shit, these things are twice the size as I imagined mm -hmm. somehow. Like, where am I going to put these things? Like it's. You but know. then you go on like a little that puts you in a space where you now you have to learn. That's why I try to explain to people like. Uh, I don't get paid to search for parts for you. Yeah. You know, that's part of why it costs as much as it does. Like. I just you telling me right now you're like you have these giant coils. I'm like, oh fuck, buy a set of knowledges. <laughs> you buy the little mini knowledges. You can hide them anywhere, you know. Yeah. But you might not know that. You uh -huh. know what I mean? And and there's there's lots of different ways to skin that cat. Yeah. Well, this it's like, and for me sometimes it's like I just gotta stop looking at this, you know, because I'm driving myself crazy. I'm gonna step away from it for a little while, and then it's gonna, you know, it's gonna hit me and. And yeah, you know, that's literally what happens. Like a couple days later, well, like, what if I integrated it with the motor mount, but like kicked them in a little and, you know, brought it tighter. Sure. So then it's like, well, let me make a top bolt and just start screwing around with this and see if it's possible. And it's like, yeah, I got something I like, like, let me work on it. But there's like a, a three week point in there where it's parked, where kind of nothing's happening. Where if it's business shop, if it's, if it's like you're going out there, somebody's knocking on the door, like, hey, man, what the doing for the last month like hey dude my bike i want to ride it well that bike that i showed you i call it the joy thief <laughs> because uh, that guy that owns that bike is taking all the joy out of it. he doesn't understand he comes in with a change order well i don't just do that bike while it's here getting built you know i'm answering the phone i'm selling tires i'm selling because i don't make fuck all <laughs> yeah. on, on a bike i don't make enough to do it but one of the things that i do and this will this will turn people off, and I'm not being an asshole. I'm being honest. You know, guys like Paul Weidman and uh, in in Bill Dodge, or, you know, tell I don't I get paid if I'm if I'm working on your fucking bike, I get paid, and I sell squares of time, and that's what you're buying. You're buying my squares of time, and and you know that's why a bike is is expensive. Yeah, and might it, get something done in this time. I might not, uh, dude. I, I get something done. That I, I get, might just sit there two out. hours. If I have to sit there two hours to figure out how to do something in a half hour, I only charge you that the half hour. But sometimes I have to sit there two and a half hours to do something that would take a half hour, and that's why your bike's not done when you want it done. I I live and die by there is no such thing as a motorcycle emergency. Yeah, it's going to be done right. And yep. if you don't like it, we'll get to a point. I always structure everything that I do. I don't know how you structure your builds, but I structure my builds so that at any point in time, if you're not happy with where we're at with it, then we can cut bait. You can take it and you can go have somebody else do it. And you can, you know, 
go online and tell everybody what an asshole I am and whatever. I, I don't care because ultimately, you know, in, I get criticized by this too. And, and, and Cody gives me shit all the time about this is it's not your bike. It's my bike. Oh, I you, get that. You own it. Yeah. You own the bike, but it's my work because if you knew how to do it, you would do it. Or if you had the time to do it or the means to do it, you would do it yourself. Right. Yeah. But so you, but you don't, so you're having me do it. So it's, it's my fucking project. Yeah. And I'm sorry you don't like it. And I know that that sounds shitty. And if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, this guy's a fucking asshole. I'm not trying to be an asshole about it. What I'm saying is, is that you're paying me to do a job. I don't, I don't work under deadlines. I just don't. I'm not. If you drop your bike off here to get something done and then, and because invariably everybody changes, you've built bikes for people. Yeah. You, you, you have like this idea where you're going to start from. And then by the time the bike gets done, they've added 80 different things. Yeah. Ultimately you're paying me for my eye. So <laughs> trust my eye. Yeah. If exactly. you like what I did in the past, then, then you're, that's why like you're it. here. Yeah. You're here for one of two reasons. One, I'm going to do it cheaper than everybody else, which that's not the case with me or B you like, you like the quality of work that I do. Those are your two options. I was laughing because one of the last motors that I picked up you know, over at Rob's shop, it's like I went in there and it's done on the bench and you know, I gave, gave it the old V twin bear hug. I'm like, all right, I'm trying to throw this thing in the truck and get it in a frame. And he's like, Whoa, hold on a second. That's not your motor yet. Like this right. thing isn't ready for transport, you know, and he's stuffing paper towels in the intake and yeah, <laughs> like, because okay. you know why, because he knows you're going to take it home and you're going to put it in your garage and he knows you're going to grind on something and you know, those grinding dust is going to get in there. And that's somebody who's conscientious and that's the kind of dude you want to deal with. And, and that's the circle that I operate in. Yeah. Like I could, when you call Paul at bare knuckle choppers, I don't know if you've ever bought any of his parts, but they're fucking perfect. Yeah. End of. And I will tell you this. I've got a set of, you know, you get a, I've got a strong arm risers on my FXR. Mm -hmm. You're not going to break them ever, ever. And you know what? There's, they have a soul to them because they're not all, he, he they're not all perfectly polished. They're perfect. They're mm -hmm. a perfect part, but you can see that he, you know, that they were machined. Yeah. This is, you know, that that's what you're paying for. It's you're not pouring something out of a mold and having it look, you know, uh, like it's it's organic and it it just appeared there. Yeah, no, nothing. I get it. The last last kickstand I got from Anthony, he was like delayed a little bit because he's you know he's setting up in in yeah. Ellis Park and he's still trying to find good polishers and reliable people. Mm -hmm. And he's like, man, this and it's Florida this and it's hard to find yeah, people he's like, down this here. Polisher, he's like, I got this thing. He's like, and you know, it's a it's a little fucked up. And he's like, if you don't want it, we'll we'll redo it or I'll get another one. I'm like, man, it's perfect. You know, exactly, it's got some flaws. Dude. Yeah. Like, I'm flawed. You're perfect. flawed, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's fine, man. You're sweating it too much. Yeah. You know but it's mean? the same thing, though. But to, to to come full circle, it's when Jeff Cochran told you, just fucking cut it. Yeah, cut it. Just cut it, dude. Why? You're overthinking it. Stop. Stop overthinking things. Just fucking make it happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and all that stuff comes into Like, doing your first one of these is priceless just because what you learn from it, you know, doing your second, your third. And how your about when you're doing your first one, how many risks and chances you're taking yeah. and things you're willing to build that bike right there. It was the first bike I ever built for a customer. Yep. And we built everything on that fucking bike. Uh -huh. We built the motor, we built the pipes, we built the controls, we built the bars, we built everything, you know, and now I'm like, you know, I spend all these days in a, in a catalog trying to find something that will, 
And I, I and I, I was just having this conversation with myself the other day. Like, look, man, you have got to stop doing that. You've you've got to take all these things you've learned over these years and just get back there and make the shit. Yeah. You know, when you look at a like, I don't know who your favorite builders are, but you know, Warren Lane is is you know one of my favorite builders. I think he's the greatest of all time. That's just me. Yep. Okay. Um, Bill Dodge is is a very very close personal friend of mine. Has been for forever. And when you look at his bikes, and what I told him, you know, th- it's funny. You know, you meet these people and you have these personal conversations with him where it's just you and him in a motorcycle or you and him in his shop, you know? Mm -hmm. And what I can tell you about Bill Dodge is when I look at his motorcycles, it's not what he did that I appreciate as much as what he didn't do and how many fucking chances he takes on his motorcycles that he's just got a set of fucking balls, the size of fucking basketballs of, of what he's willing to build on a motorcycle and that's man i wish i had that i wish i had that i wish i had that that yeah bill's stuff i always i was drawn to his stuff early especially when he broke out a west coast chopper and started doing his own stuff just because it's like he he always came out with that 23 inch wheel and it was usually like a knobby and for and the pegs the the, the risers the gas caps everything that he used I gravitated towards that immediately because it had that motocross, motocross feel. Yeah. You know, it was just like it was like a dirt bike chopper, and and to me, I just thought that was cool. Well, the very shit. first bike he built when he got out of there was the was the Asbury. I think the Asbury was, if not the first, one of the first. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think that was the first Bling label, if I if I remember. Yeah, that one and the the Bling's auto sales bike. Uh huh. You know that uh, I think that one was cool. commissioned by bikes. Uh, do you know? I can't remember his name now. His name's John. He's a contractor down in John Subco. John Subco was a customer of West Coast Choppers, but he was a customer of Bill's when mm-hmm. Bill was at West Coast Choppers. And if you look at Subco's bikes, he had a very unique uh, CFL. It was the first customer CFL with a twin cam in it, mm-hmm. the Subco one. Oh, because yeah, Jesse built I... Jesse built Chongo Blanco. Yep. That had a twin cam, and then Subco had uh, the baby blue framed twin cam. I think I'm, I might be talking on a term, but I believe it was the very first customer twin cam CFL. I remember it was a mag fired kick only too, and I, I can't i i I don't think it had a mag on it from I West know. Coast the CFL. Oh, the, I'm talking, talking about the one he had built at. The one he had built inside West Coast Choppers because okay, gotcha. Subco was a West Coast Choppers customer because yep. he had that one and he had a blue flamed, real fire, but it was white flames, uh, dragon. Okay, I, right. Yeah. And then uh, when Bill left and did his own deal, uh, Subco basically said, "Here, you know." And he, he, I think he owned Chop Suey. Mm-hmm. You remember that bike? Yep. God, I fucking love that bike. Yeah, awesome. You know. And it, you know, Bill, you know, you you know the situation that Bill's in right now, right? Yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's, uh, you know, I I actually got some some personal experience with a wreck, so I, uh, you know, I think I have some pretty decent insight to to where he's at. And my yeah, heart's I, broken right now. I mean, you know, I've I've waited um, intentionally. 
to, to, to do something on mine because I know how this stuff goes. And it's like at first everybody's popping on Instagram. It's fresh in everybody's mind. And they're like, man, let's help Bill. And, you know, let's let's get this around. And and that's good. But I also know firsthand kind of what's in front of him from from financially. Uh, you know, I got I got in a wreck and and uh, wrecked myself pretty good, and you know it, it's a hundred grand in trauma bills for that first three days. Um, so you got that, you got loss of income, you got you know he's flat on his back. That that business is Bill Dodge. It's not, yeah, it's it's called Bling Cycle, but it, without Bill, but there's not anybody else that yeah, works th- there. Th- that's not that. So, I you know, there's a lot of people that are stepping up doing stuff, which is cool, but. We, we as a as a community, as the biker community, we should be able to do better for, for somebody who I look at as as a legend in the industry. Here's what I'll tell you: um, I'm not in his. It doesn't matter. Um, I will tell you that uh, when this all shakes out, if we get Bill back in in whatever capacity, you know, and I I think we're out of the woods as far as I mean, he's not going to perish, right? Right. I know that. But, uh, you know, his wife did finally post that there is some significant trauma mm-hmm. and uh, there's some significant brain damage. And we don't know yet to what extent that's going to impede him from doing anything. But I can assure you that the people that orbit around him and, and, and know what's going on, you know, those of us, myself, Eric, Ray, Camel, those dudes... And, you know, I'm I'm a leave somebody alone until they need something kind of guy. I'm not going to be in your face, you know. Mm-hmm. I made sure I sent him a message. For for whatever reason, um, my wife and him are, you know, when he sees my wife, he kind of lights up. When my wife sees him, she kind of lights up. And I appreciate that because that softens how much, you know, my wife's very sensitive to, she knows now 18 years into this that this isn't, this isn't going away. This is how we, you know, how we, 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 we do things. And now my daughter works here and, you know, uh, but I don't, there will be an opportunity for everybody in this community to do what he needs to have done. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear. And that, that call, that call will come through and, and those who answer it, you know, will be able to step up and, and do what needs to be done. But, you know, when Paul lost, you know, tornado hit Paul's shop, and he doesn't like talking about it, but I'm going to bring it up. Um, Bill was there. Bill just fucking got on his motorcycle, went there, and you know what I mean? Yep. And that, that's and the kind of person. Bill's shop got flooded. Is kind of, you know, the same thing a couple years ago when the hurricane hit him. So, I, I mean, it's good. You, you see people stepping up. I Sometimes, and maybe I get it, I know there's stuff that happens behind the scenes that I'm not privy to, and, and I, I appreciate that, and that's all excellent. But it's like... You just get start to look at what's going on in the world in general, and it's like, well, goddamn, you know, like this got raised for this or or that, you know, a cause that I agree or disagree with, and it's like I was looking at the GoFundMe for Bill, and and you know, he's at they got like a fifty thousand dollar goal, and he's at you know, call it forty grand, but I'm like, that's right. that's out of one hundred and thirty five people. It's like, come on, as a as a community, as a biking community, you know, kick this out to every biker you know, buy the guy a beer, give him five bucks. You know, and and if a hundred thousand of us do that, <laughs> then it, it takes a lot of stress away. It does, and you know, um, that'll happen. Yeah. So you know, talking with the, we have to start somewhere, right? 
and uh, you know, it's it's we'll figure it out. Yeah, you know, we'll figure it out. Uh, thankfully, he's got a, an amazing wife, and uh, he's you know he has left a fucking mark on a lot of us, and uh, I I have no doubt in my mind that that's that that's there. And 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 if you're listening to this right now, and and you know this is still all really fresh. This is three weeks, two and a half weeks into it. Um, do what Rich said. Send him five bucks. If you know, if ten thousand people send him five bucks, it's huge. That's amazing. If fuck, dude, if a thousand people send him five bucks, that's another five grand. Yeah, but we can do better. You're right. We yeah. can do much better, and we can put him in. Here's what I know. Yeah, you know, and, and this is the conversation that I had with Karen, my wife. She's like, she was like super, like real put off or real upset by the whole thing, and you know. And her and Bill communicate, and she communicated to him. You know, she just wanted to know she loved him, and she's thinking about him, and uh, he needs to get better. But this is the smallest billion-dollar industry that I know. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, you know, one or two. Uh, there's not. I'm one or two people away from a phone call to any CEO in any of the companies. You name them. You know, the big companies. We're a small industry. I was talking with. Um, my my newest sponsor, and I'm I'm super over the moon about this. Is I've signed a deal with Arlen Ness, and I'm the only I'm the first podcast, and that's not a feather in my cap. That's a feather in their cap. That they're recognizing that, you know, the the digital media age is here, and and I'm super over the moon that I'm affiliated with them because it's a good company to be affiliated with. Yeah. But I was talking with Steve today, and I told him that I was like, man, we're the smallest billion dollar industry I know of. And he's like, dude, there's 400 of us. That's what you need to think of. There's 400 manufacturers in the V-twin industry. Mm-hmm. And it stays at 400 because when four fall off, four new come on. Right. When 10 fall off, 10 new come on, right? So we can do better. Yeah, and that's it's like I think the last I looked, the motorcycle industry in the United States is $700 billion or something, some astronomical amount, number like that. And yeah, man, we can do we can do better for, for somebody like that. You know, I, Bill, uh, and I are kind of like Instagram buddies, follow each other, and I've right. admired his work. I, I don't know him personally, and I don't profess to. I met Bill once, and it was probably, shoot, I want to say oh three or oh four. He was still at West Coast Choppers. He was there, you know, for Jesse. I think that was you know when he was there representing West Coast Choppers. Right, and and I just pulled up as some regular schmuck and you know he took the time probably bullshitted with me for for 20 minutes and that was after you know i'd seen him on tv and kind of height of fame and and guy couldn't have been cooler you know just just a nice guy and everybody that's spoken to i've met a lot of mutual friends that are closer to him and and that's always the feedback that i get that you're you're not going to meet a, a kinder guy a, you know a cooler guy when you meet bill you're, you're meeting Bill yeah. that you're getting, there's no, there's, there's, he doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't, you know, the thing that I love about him is he's just older enough than me. There's two guys in this industry that have, they, they have the ability to do this and they have exercised the ability to do this is when I step out of line, they pull me off to the side and they tell me, Hey, <laughs> that's enough. Stop. We're watching you. You need you need to dial it back, and it's him and Steve from Stevenson Cycle, and uh, both those guys. If you know, but at the same token, 
the day my dad died, the first person that called me was Steve. Yeah. You know? And so I, I don't forget that shit, you know? But, um, yeah, we can do better, and we should do better, and I think things will, things will, things will get to where we need them to be. Um, Steve's a good guy, too. I, I met Steve at oh, Speed. He probably wouldn't remember that. But before that, I had met him over a park thing, and it's kind of a funny story. I had a set of rocker boxes that at the, they got – came on a motor and were advertised as, you know, his split, his Steven cycles. Right. And like it, it cracked. And I, I was, so I called him up and I was like, Hey, I'm just looking to maybe we could do one of these. Cause this thing broke. And he's like, that doesn't make sense. You know, we're going through it. Finally, he's like, send pictures. And he's like, those aren't mine. <laughs> and I'm like, I apologize. I didn't, you know, I didn't know that's what it was. And I, I never had one of his in my hands at that time. Right. So like looking at pictures, it's like, looks like it you know but you know sure enough they they weren't his it was it was some knockoff that had done it and and they ran like the oil in between the oil line in between and right. it broke and that's not his are set up for the external yep. oilers but he was like no no problem you know like how can i help you out with it yeah we'll and then now he wants off. to teach you and learn it and and i'm telling you like i go i i go back home every november for thanksgiving and i go spend a day with him yeah I, I mean, I felt it, it's funny. I was I was apologizing to him because I'm like, man, I feel like I just wasted two hours of your time because he's literally running around the shop, see if I got an extra one. I, you know, I'll see if I got a front one, and I'll, I'll send it out. And if it needs to be polished, I'll, I'll see it. And, and it turns out it wasn't wasn't even his problem. But the guy couldn't have been cooler. You know, real, yeah, real good dude. I, I talked. To he's him. chewed my ass. Trust me, <laughs> he's chewed my ass a lot. But yeah. I, I I I you know. I take it every time. But, you know, it's like he, he treated me that way. And, uh, you know, this goes to show you, like, I couldn't wait to actually buy his part then. You know, right. it was like this guy was such a cool dude, and, and the white bike, you know, is running running his rocker boxes. Yep. It was like that was the first opportunity after that. Like, I, I know where I'm going for these. You Here's know, what you do. Look. You pick a year. You go to Cobo Hall for the Autorama in Detroit, and you go in. You fly in Thursday night, spend Friday – Friday, you go to the Henry Ford, and you go to Stevenson's. Mm-hmm. And then Friday night, you go to Kobo. Saturday, you go to Kobo. Sunday, you fly at home. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Yeah. You know, you go to Detroit, get get a good Coney dog. Because there's, dude, that's the one thing I miss from home is the drinking water that comes out of the tap is the best drinking water I've ever had. Same thing in upstate New York. Yeah. Well, so it's funny. Do you know who NYC Danny D is? Uh, no, I don't think so. He's a crazy man. I love him. He's one of my buddies. Well, he moved from New York. He's one of Bobby Seeger's boys. Okay. So he moved from New York City to Detroit, uh-huh. right? And he's one of the Clems guys. And so I'm like, my, I move out of fucking Detroit, and then you move there. And I'm like, dude. So anyway, so I go visit them last year at Thanksgiving when I'm home, and I'm talking with his wife, Ange, and she's like, I'm like, what do you miss from home? She's like, I miss the fucking water. The fucking water here is fucking horrible. I'm like, well, come to fucking Florida because we call it frog water here because it comes out of the tap. Like, it smells like frogs. But uh, I miss the water, the food, and and there's a few people up there. Yeah, we got Zephyr Hills, right? (laughs) It's good water. Well, shit, man, we did an hour and 36 minutes. I didn't think I had that much in me. I told you it would go fast. Plug yourself. Plug your Instagram. What's your Instagram again? It'll ride choppers. I-T-L-L-R-I-D-E choppers. And you're going to be at Willie's. You're going to be at the that's, Wheels that's of Steel show, right? right? You're going to be at the Wheels of Steel show here in December? I'll do it. Good. See, I'm, I'm fucking obligating you now. Yeah. So, and uh, you got to get out to more shows, man. You got to get your you got to get your shit out there. You're a really talented yeah. dude. I appreciate you coming over and doing this. This is great. I got I got to get it out there for sure. I mean, like the white bike, you know, it's it's when I went to Charlotte with the red bike, that was kind of the first time where it was and I was with some 
really elite shit there. And that was the first time where it was like, okay, this this is kind of cool. And, and, and in some ways, it's a little intimidating because it's like, I, you know, my bike is kind of right next to Don Luce's bike where I'm like, look at this thing. You know, oh, yeah. Holy crap. Like, I don't even want my junk parked by it. And um, Well, he's got a few years yeah, on us. Yeah, exactly. How old I'm are you? Like, uh, 45. Okay, so, so he's 15 years older than you. So in 15 years, you better have some fucking solid shit. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's 10,000 hours, right? If you want to be an expert, anything, yep. you just got to put in the 10,000 hours. Yep. But I, I learned a lot there. And the, the white bike or, you know, the white, some people call it white, but some people call it the uh, root beer bike. The, the root beer bike was like, let me show what I learned and, and kind of really build a show bike. I mean, it's still right. run driving. It's, it's going to get dirty. Uh, you know, eventually when it's done and it's funny, right. When that was, when that was finishing up, all this COVID shit started and like every show got canceled. And so that thing's kind of been tucked away. I got some pictures of it out there. But so is it, what bikes are you going to bring to the RP funding center? I got, um, probably the orange, the orange bike people gravitate towards. I think it's kind of more of a blue collar bike. Right. So, so people love it, you know, and, and, and I talked to Don about that when I was at, at Charlotte or, can't remember if it was Don or it was somebody I was just talking to uh, about it, and I'm like, man, it's crazy. I got more of a reaction out of this, where it was kind of a, a parts bike that I I put together, and and people just like it. And I think it's like that blue collar edge of it. So I got that one. I got the the red bike, uh, you know, the candy red, and then I got the uh, the the root beer bike. Well, get yourself some fucking t-shirts made so you can sell some t-shirts in your booth. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's now you're talking logo design. There you go. Well, let's get on it. What the fuck? Yeah, man. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate this. Appreciate it, man. It was fun. So we'll we'll do it again soon. Yeah. You have been listening to the Hell on Wheels podcast with your host Jason Holman. Thank you for listening. <laughs>